My name is Nick Flower, and I'm a clinical psychologist who specializes in behavior therapy. And I'm Lauren McLean, and I am a therapist who specializes in behavioral therapy as well. Welcome to Psychologically Incorrect. This is a podcast about real life through the lens of behavioral psychology and applying the lessons of clinical psychology into everyday issues. Today on Psychologically Incorrect, we're going to talk about our thoughts, specifically what are termed intrusive thoughts, what they are, why some people think they're scary, and what to do about them today on Psychologically Incorrect. Hi, Lauren. Hey. So, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, interesting topic. We really haven't done any podcasts, I was saying earlier, on specifically on OCD. It looks like we're going to get into that today. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, scary thoughts are a huge component about OCD that most people don't even realize. Um, a lot of times, you know, you think about OCD, you think about the classic stuff, counting, checking, cleaning, whatever. And mm-hmm. um, unwanted, intrusive, scary thoughts um, are a huge uh, part of OCD. Most people don't even realize. So um, I know this is actually something that you're super passionate about. And I'm curious, uh, why is that? Why, what is it about the intrusive thought OCD that kind of sparks all that passion for you? Well, first of all, that we call them intrusive thoughts. Um, I, I, I don't, don't like to say that. <laughs> I, I know. I don't like to say this at all. I, I don't like the calling them intrusive thoughts at all. Um, because it when we say that, and by the way, everybody says that in the OCD world. Like yeah, they're, yeah. they're called intrusive thoughts. And then you talk to patients, I keep having these intrusive thoughts and I don't want, you know. And um, and even well into treatment, people are still saying that. But not if they're in treatment with me. They know, my people that come to see me know damn well not to call them intrusive thoughts around me because we're going to have an argument. Because you can't, <laughs> I, I was going to say it later, but you can't treat your brain like your house. You know, if, and and if... When people do that, that's that's where that's when you suffer because it, like if somebody comes into your home and um, they're not supposed to an be intruder, there, they're right? they're an intruder. They're an intruder, and 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 you need to treat them like that. You need to say, "Get out of my house." You call the cops. Like but you can't treat your brain that way. If you there's no metaphorical bodyguard you could put at the top of your brain to say, "Keep out some thoughts, but allow other thoughts to come in." And the more that the more that we decide or you know, choose to talk about them as intrusive thoughts, I think the more we perpetuate that notion that some, that we can treat our brains like our house and, and, and get rid of certain thoughts. And that's, that's why I'm so, like you said, passionate about this, because it just, we just can't go like that. We can't run like that. We can't treat our brains like our houses. We can think whatever we want to think, whatever thought pops into our, that's okay. We have active, large brains that, um, that can think any number of random things and, um, and that's okay. okay. Two thoughts based on what you just said. It's okay that you have those thoughts, but I think that what makes it, what turns it into full-blown OCD is that people are really actually not okay with having mm-hmm. scary, unwanted thoughts. And that's really the crux of it. And so I think what what you're saying is it's okay that you have these thoughts and you don't have to like them and they can be upsetting for you. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, they can be unwanted and so on and so forth. 
Um, and it's differentiating between they can exist and you can have strong feelings about them, but they can mm-hmm. still exist. Um, so yeah, so I think that that's a, that's a good point. The other thought I had as you were saying all that is essentially also what you're saying is that you cannot reliably control your brain or the thoughts right. that you have. And so for that reason, we're actually think we want to think about letting go of trying to control the type of thoughts that we do have. Yeah. Yeah. Letting, letting go. I agree. I always say, give up. Let's just give up trying to, you know, (laughs) this fight, this constant fight of trying to rid my brain of certain thoughts. I mean, you know, we, we can't control what thoughts pop into our brain. We can control the degree to which we pay attention to those thoughts or, you know, focus on them or, or wonder why we have them. Because the person with OCD suffers because they say, uh, you know, whoa, oh my God, I had that thought. Whoa, why did I have that thought, number one? And how could I, you know, not ever have that thought again? And then they're in trouble. Which seems like actually a very harmless thing to think, right? Of like, hey, I don't like that. How do I make sure that doesn't happen again? That seems like actually a harmless thing, except it turns into this whole blown, like obsessive and compulsive thing. Right. And that's what what we're talking specifically about people with OCD. This is the the syndrome of OCD. It's, you know, that's that's what the the person with OCD sufferer. I'm not supposed to say that, or it's weird to say that because anyway, whatever. But yeah. um, but yeah, that, that, uh, you know, so that's the sin, that's the syndrome of OCD. That's what it looks like. And so what we're trying to do is help people say, yeah, allow your brain to do its thing. You're walking down the street and you see a picture of a knife and you have a thought about stabbing, you know, somebody on the street. That's, a, that's, that's a thought, you know, and, um, it's, it, it, it's a scary thought if we label it that way. And if we try to sort of, uh, remind ourselves of, you know, how we would never do such a thing. You know, that's when we're in trouble. So yeah, this, this issue, you know, again, we, we treat OCD for a living and um, this comes up quite a lot. I think that when we ask people with OCD about the compulsion that they do, um, a lot of people focus on the external, you know, compulsions like hand washing or, or let's say with the knives, like keeping the knives in a lock, not using knives or whatever. Right. But there's also every component of OCD. There's up here too. There's a mental compulsion. Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you think that that's why we're talking about this? Mental retracing, mental review, mental inventory, mental reassurance, Mm -hmm. right? Like they'll do all sorts of these like intense cognitive processes to make themselves feel better. But using the example that you gave, I want to kind of just differentiate something. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're walking down the street, you see a knife and you think, oh God, I could stab somebody. Some people will shrug their shoulders and say, that's a weird thought and keep mm-hmm. it moving. Mm-hmm. And some people will say, oh, my God, that is not an OK thought to think. I am not OK with that thought. And then that's going to stir all sorts of emotion and anxiety and guilt, shame and all sorts of things, which is then leads to these compulsions of how do I make sure I don't do that? But what we're trying to get to really like the end game of treating OCD with these unwanted thoughts is being able to say, that's a weird one. Maybe keep it going, accept the emotion, accept the uncertainties and not do all of that compulsive behavior. But some people, it's just really hard to shake it off. And that's what kind of ripens the um, the person for what can turn into an anxiety disorder. 
Right. And why is it so hard for people to shake that off? I think there's emotionality that gets involved here and it gets like this heightened sense of arousal, you know, maybe that, that, that say, oh my gosh, you know, what, what does, what is, what is that? This is a scary thing. I have to get rid of that. That's why I think people are moved to want to do that. And what they think is a, a smart move, you know, to. Sure. Yeah. When people have um, when they're in that ladder camp of that it's harder for them to shake off, it's because their brain pairs it with a surge of emotion. Mm-hmm. And when we have a surge of emotion, things feel more real. If I'm watching a scary movie that I've seen like 10 times, I'm going to be like, okay, now they like slash the yeah. person and now there'll be blood. But I'm completely unfazed because I know what's happening. I'm like used to it. There's not much of an emotion response. But if the first time I see something really scary, I'm going to get a big emotional response it's going to feel more real and more scary. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what happens in that latter camp of the people that have a hard time shaking it is that the emotions make it feel more real, more scary. They doubt themselves, they doubt the situation and then so on and so forth. But mm-hmm. there is a huge role of emotions. I mean, if you think about like, if you go to a funeral, you're gonna feel emotional. You're going to feel closer to people that like that mm-hmm. level of emotion intensifies things same things at a a wedding or something the more intense the emotion feels the more connected we are to that thing right and we should say that everybody has thoughts see i i corrected myself there in my head i wasn't going to say everybody has scary thoughts or everybody has you know these thoughts I, i i can't help it i do not think that we should make these um put these adjectives on thoughts so everybody has a range of thoughts <laughs> thoughts uh, what else did that you know like they're not you know Can we say but, but weird pe- i don't even want to say weird lauren i don't like i don't like to say because what's weird right it's like uh how about we say this i think this is the thing we hit on this and are talking about this before everybody has thoughts that they consider our ego dystonic yeah, okay. we should we should define that. But yes, go go ahead. Do you you go ahead? Yeah. So uh, these are psychological terms. Ego dystonic means I have a thought that is unwanted that I view as separate from myself that I don't actually think, believe, or relate to. Hmm. So um, if I have a thought that like I want to go like hurt people, I'd be like, oh God, like, no, I absolutely don't want to hurt people. Like that's the opposite of what I think believers stand right. for my values, right? That would be an ego dystonic thought, meaning I do not relate to it. Mm-hmm. If you said, let's say I struggle with self-esteem and I had a thought of like, oh God, I'm like such a terrible person. If somebody said, oh, do you, do you believe, do you actually believe that? I'd be like, yeah, I like, I really do believe I'm like not a very good person. That would be what we call ego syntonic because you relate to it. So, um, so yeah, so within this ego dystonic, ego syntonic, it's a very important distinction because what we're really looking, what you need to kind of build insight around is, do you relate to this? Is this you? And mm-hmm. if the answer is no, then we need to think back to what you're saying, which is everyone has these thoughts that you think that you do not relate to. And that's okay. And until this very conversation, this is what's funny about talking about these things um, and the way that we come to different ideas. Until this very conversation right now, Lauren, I'm going to say this out loud. This is breaking news. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I have never 
thought of, I mean, I've always talked about them as ego syntonic, ego dystonic, but not when I'm presenting it with the people that I work with and say, like, as you said, can we call them weird thoughts? And I said, no, let's call them ego, ego, dystonic, ego dystonic thoughts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's about what I want to call them. And I will for henceforth call them ego dystonic thoughts. I guess I have done that before, but not in this way in describing it to people. So I'm not going to call them weird. You know, I'm going to have all my patients now saying ego dystonic, you know what I mean? As a way to, detect, yeah, yeah. to, to talk about the way that they are. And so, so when I'm, but when I meet somebody for the first time and they tell me, oh my God, they're shameful. They're so shameful. Mm-hmm. Thoughts. This is why it's so important for us to have this conversation because I, 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 um, I also would get the call from people. Oh, hey, hi. Yeah. Um, how can I help you? Is that, well, um, I think I have OCD. Oh, okay. Sure. What's going on? Well, um, I, uh, I don't really, I really, um, I have these thoughts. Okay. All right, cool. What kind of thoughts? Um, I, have, I really don't want to say, you know, uh, I, yeah, already, yeah. I, have this, I have the same conversations. I'd rather not say over the phone. <laughs> I'm at work or I think. Well, yeah, so yeah. I know exactly. There's two, there's what they're going to tell me. They're going to tell me they have pedophilia, pedophilia thoughts. Okay. Unwanted, uh, horrifying pedophilia thoughts or like harm, thought, other kind of harm thoughts. Like what if I stab my brother or something like that? You know, I know. And it's, and my guess is going to be pedophilia but because that's like the, the worst. Right. And, uh, and so this is what happens, you know, and, and I'm, I'm saying this because these, these, this distinction, ego, dysonic is so important because these people who are having this experience do not want to be thinking these things. It's ego totally. dysonic. It is they don't 100%. relate to them. Yeah. Ex- exactly. It's 180 degrees from who they are in their soul. You know what I mean? I mean, I've had yes. teachers call me before. I had to take a sabbatical. So common. Why? Because I was having these thoughts. What thoughts? Like, what if I'm attracted to the children and, you know, I'm a teacher and they're crying and I'm like, well, do you want to, you know, um, be with children in that way? And they go, no, you don't know. That's of yeah. course not. That's, and then right, right there, there's my diagnosis. Okay, pretty simple. Now, if they said, yeah, you know, like, um, I think I do. I think I want that. Okay. Yeah. And then then was, you need a different type of therapy that we cannot help so, you with. Totally. And those thoughts are not okay. Not okay. Um, Those well, thoughts are dangerous. I tell you what, that, you know, I'm, I'm just going to well, tell you. No, actually, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the with those thoughts, we need to work really hard to not act on them and keep you safe. Right. Right. That's what it. it comes down to. You yeah. got it. Those thoughts. It's not that thoughts are right or wrong. The, the, yeah. The, yeah. The, I got the, you. The intent. You you got it. The intention. Like the intention is wrong. And uh, anyway, so. But yeah, the everybody has thoughts. Everybody has ego dystonic thoughts, thoughts that aren't them. Uh, I can remember when I was eight years old or nine years old or something, and um, my dad was walking up the basement steps. I don't know. We were working together or something, you know, as boys do with their dads, you know. And anyway, I had a hammer, and I thought, huh, my dad in the head with his hammer right now. Wouldn't that be crazy? That could really hurt him, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I didn't, 
hit him with the hammer. I didn't like uh, have a sort of really strong negative reaction. I must have just moved on or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, but you can ego, even remember extent. having, yeah, yeah, you're like, obviously I don't want to hit my dad. Oh, shoot. I, I It occurred to me that I could. Sure. And it, it that's an ego dystonic. I'll tell you another one I had. I always tell that to my patients. Uh, I had, we had Andrew, my, my middle child. And when he was a little baby, an infant, um, he's, he's crying as babies do, and he's just not calming down and I'm pulling out every trick in the book, you know, uh, got the pacifier, got the bottle. He's not hungry. I burped him. I checked his diaper. He just won't stop crying. And then as I'm doing this, I'm walking around doing laps in my, my old house, you know. And uh, going on the hallway through the kitchen, see the light of the microwave, go to the dining room, living room, back to the hallway, kitchen, dining room. This goes on for like two hours, you know, three hours. And it's like 2 a.m. It's 3 a.m. It's seeing every hour on the clock. I'm so frustrated. I'm so tired, you know. And I pass up the microwave and I think, I can end this right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can, I can. I can end this right now. I can put this kid in the microwave, put it on the pizza setting or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But like, wait, okay, this is a great time to bring in one of our next points, though, which is these thoughts attack the things that matter to us. Oh, can I tell you what happened? You know, tell me, hopefully your son's staying up the mic. So I only have, I only have two kids now, uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's not true. So back to my point of Nick's really passionate about this. There's maybe a reason because he has dark humor. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I, I didn't put him in the microwave. I kept blocking him around till he calmed down and then put him to bed. But that thought was ego dystonic. Yes. Uh, you know what I mean? So th- that's obviously the total opposite of who I am as a person. I, I I do not want to do those things, but I I don't care if I have that thought. You know what I mean? And it doesn't bother me. Now, I don't have OCD, but this is why. You know what I mean? Because I and people that do, I say, well, yeah, you also don't want to have OCD. So right. allow your brain to have the thoughts that it has. I was so frustrated. It was three in the morning. Yeah. I just wanted this kid to go to sleep. I did not have the control over this that I wanted to. And I'm feeling like a fail, not like a failure, but like, I'm just frustrated. You're frustrated, yeah. Frustrated. And a thought like that comes to mind and it doesn't mean a damn thing. It just means that I'm frustrated, you know? Yeah, but I do want to point out in terms of the biology of OCD. Um, so with somebody that has OCD, if they had that thought, they would get a huge spike of guilt, mm-hmm. shame, and anxiety. Right. Um, and that's part of what makes it an illness is their brain would give them a very powerful wave of emotion, which would make it mm-hmm. feel more true. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you brought up teachers. Uh, we, I guess what we should say, you know, we, we've been talking like kind of vaguely about these like bad thoughts or whatever, you know, I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep saying things that are like, nope, wrong, Lauren. But anyways, <laughs> uh, we should give some general themes. A lot of like pedophile thoughts. Oh, harm yeah. related thought right people can question their sexual orientation what if i'm gay or straight right. and i don't know it or don't want to be um what if uh i relationship ocd what if i like either cheat on my partner or i don't love my partner research like doubt your relationship remember all of these ones are ego dystonic meaning they you mm-hmm. don't actually relate to that um Another, you know, you were giving the example of um, teachers that having, it's so common, teachers having harm with thoughts. And like, 
first of all, to want to be a teacher, I mean, like you actually <laughs> want to work with kids. Like, yeah, right. Okay. You are like a, you know, gentle, generous soul. Um, right. And so those are the ones that have the harm thoughts. And we can talk more about that in a minute. But the other thing that strikes me, a lot of times we didn't even mention this religious obsessions. I've had so many patients that are deeply religious yeah. that have improper sexual thoughts about like God or Jesus or their priest or, you know, whatever. Um, and it's that same thing. The And so what, what I was going to say, too, is. OCD, these intrusive thoughts tend to attack the things that you value or take mm -hmm. pride in. So the teachers that care so deeply about students, they're the ones that tend to have the, the harm thoughts or the improper like sexual thoughts or something about like, oh, God, what if I what if I hurt this child? What if I mm -hmm. did something that could cause irreparable damage that is so far from what they believe? And so, um, you know, poor Andrew. <laughs> hearing that story but like obviously you deeply love your son and mm -hmm. you wanted your son to sleep and be well and you were so frustrated and that's where that thought came in but you also didn't get that huge spike of emotion either right because yeah and and who, and who knows like there's a, like you said there's a biology involved what we understand about OCD is a bio there's a biological component there's a genet genetic component there's a learned component for sure um, there's classical conditioning that get, that's involved, you know, this hit of you know, horrifying anxiety when I had a thought or whatever, you know? Um, so there's, there's all those things involved. I, I, I don't have OCD, you know what I mean? So I didn't have that spike, but, but somebody might, and even without OCD, I mean, I know, uh, people in my life that just don't like to think about these things. And they're just like, I, I'd rather not think about that. And so they kind of avoid certain TV shows or whatever, but they're not yeah. like, you know, at a con like an OCD condition, it's just, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, no, it's just a, it's like, yeah, just like a personality thing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but the yeah, these these thoughts uh, and, you know, like, you know, the teachers, like you mentioned. Um, oh, I'm glad you backed up because it, 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 there are people think OCD is, you know, straightening things up and 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 clean hands. You know what I mean? But there's all these different sort of subtexts that we talk about. And, and you mentioned several of them. You said, like, when you said scrupulosity, religious uh, obsessions, you know, they could involve sexual stuff or they could just be like, God is, God is bad. You know what I mean? And that's an intrusive thought that they're having that uh, they don't want to be having. Like you said, because it's the uh, polar opposite of who they are. They're a deeply religious person. Of, of course, if you have OCD, OCD, we like to say, picks on the things that you love the most. You know, yeah. um, and and that's the same of this. I mean, I've known people who've dropped out of the teaching profession, who've, who've changed their careers. This one young many, woman I yeah. met uh, a couple years ago, she was 19 years old and she didn't want, she was going to go to medical school, you know, but then she thought, what if I have to give a kid a pelvic exam one day? That's it out. Then she moved to a totally different field. What a shame because here we have a person who's, you know, got the horsepower to, you know, go to medical school and be a doctor, you know, put the brakes on all that and make a left turn because of uh, some ridiculous, ridiculous fear, you know? And I, yeah, and I think and the hard part, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, I think the hard part of that is like, because it's taboo to talk about, like, had she mm -hmm. just said that out loud to, you know, mm -hmm. someone like us. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, we could be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm -hmm. 
this is actually not a reason to not go to medical school. Right. Like, this is something that I can help you build some insight and awareness around. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hard thing of, like, what keeps a taboo a taboo is that we're scared to talk about it. And um, and that's why, you know, the education is so important that you can have thoughts that are ego dystonic that you do not relate to and that they don't right. have to have tremendous power over you. And that is a, a profound idea for so many people. Um yeah. You know, I, and it's, I, it's why it's important to talk about. Well, and to that point, um, most years, unless oh, I, I do the, uh, I do a group at the International OCD Foundation annual conference about taboo thoughts, OCD. And it's a fantastic group. Every year you have these people that are coming in and they're, you know, you know, they come in, the, the group usually starts like this, heads hung low and. You know, mm-hmm. kind of sheepishly coming in, sitting down and, you know, they're bold and brave enough to come to this group, but they're anxious about what's going to be discussed and they're anxious about opening up and if they're going to share or not. But every year, like clockwork, it happens. Somebody speaks up and shares what their thought is and somebody speaks up and shares what their, you know, intrusive thoughts are. Again, they call them intrusive thoughts. I do not, but we talked about that. Um, yeah. You know, um, but anyway, and then people start to perk up a little bit. Oh, yeah, I could totally relate. Oh, my God, me too. And then how do you talk about it? And what do you do? And all the opportunities lost. And you know, it's always a just a great moment because then people shed that stigma. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah, right. And then and I inevitably add some of the things that we've been talking about here. Sure. You know, and it's like, yeah, OK, you know, you have this thought and you hide away in a closet. Stephen King has these thoughts and he writes, you know, novels and movies and, you know, and, and entertains all the way to the bank and entertains the world. And then we watch it. And that's the other thing I think about this. There's, I think, a pro- sort of my guess is that there's some sort of primal interest in what's what's it called? The macabre, m- macabre, oh, yeah, you, yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and like, why do people like crime shows? Why do people like, you know, these Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. Everyone's talking about Jeffrey Dahmer, right? Right. I, I watched it. And then <laughs> you know sick story. I read in the news yesterday in The Guardian, there was some story about some eight-year-old girl trapped in a home or imprisoned in a home for like, you know, a, a, um, her whole life. I was going to say decade, decades, but she's only eight. Um, but, uh, but I read that story. I was like, I was drawn to that. Well, why? Does that mean I'm a sick person? Or does that just mean, you know, what, there's some sort of primal interest in gore or whatever? Curiosity. It's curiosity, right? Because it's, it doesn't fit what we as mammal humans sort of should be doing to one another. And I think that's that curiosity. I think there's some primal interest in that. And, and people with these intrusive thoughts sort of don't, aren't remembering that or aren't, I think, um, uh, acknowledging that, I guess. I yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, it's really important to talk about it. It's really important to let this like concept of ego dystonic exist. I can have thoughts yes. I don't identify with, and that is a part of being human. So like that's kind of like a global piece mm-hmm. that we can do. Um, I don't have to relate to every thought that I have. So now let's kind of talk about what do we do about this? When you have these thoughts that you struggle with, mm-hmm. what do you do? What do you think, Nick? What, what advice would you give the listener about what, what do we do with these thoughts? Um, I always say acknowledge that those thoughts are there. We, we, we can acknowledge that we, we have these thoughts. Um, acknowledge that they are, you know, well, I try not to get into too, 
with the ERP therapy, I can't like, oh, these are ego dystonic. I'm a cool. Yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah, believe yeah. this because then, but the, in the in the OCD world, the person with OCD, that's a compulsion. You know what I mean? To keep reminding yourself of that. So, you know, um, the ERP route. I know there's other therapies we could talk about uh, that are the hot topic of the moment um, in the OCD world. But in the uh, ERP yeah. world, we would say something like. You know what? May, maybe, maybe I will harm my son the next time around in the microwave here. Um, I can't be sure that um, there's a non-zero percent chance that that can happen. But I'm going to keep trying to get this kid to sleep with this bottle. You know what I mean? And so, and, and the reason for that, what you just described, is is allowing uncertainty. That's important yes. in OCD because mm-hmm. it's obsessive because we cannot tolerate the uncertainty and the doubt. Right. And that's why we have to say maybe, maybe not, which feels absolutely asinine. I mean, really, like, that's a crazy thing to say, like, maybe next time I will put him in the microwave. But we have right. to do that because an obsession is a loop. And right. it's the only way we can exit the loop is to kind of talk back with allowing uncertainty. Um, so I do think that is kind of an important distinction. But yeah, I mean, it sounds crazy to say, but you do have to allow that as a possibility. Right. But the other thing I would tell you, and I'm sure you probably say this, is like, try really hard not to. Perfect. Like, don't be scared of the microwave, but try to have the behavioral control to not put him in there. You right. know? Yeah. Like, so, so you say you, what you say, you tell them to try, try not to do that. Like, um, yeah. Like, if somebody has like knife stuff and they're like, yeah, you know, scared to like cut carrots. And then if I do, I'm going to like stab my family. Sure. I'm going to be like, yeah, I still want you to cut the carrots. I still want you to say yes, if possible. And then I think it's also oh. important to say, I'm also going to try to just keep the knife on the carrots. <laughs> I'm going to try not to stab people because I don't want to stab people. So I actually have to learn how to trust sure. myself to just chop carrots. Right. And, 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 and you do that by repetitive carrot cutting, you know, yes. and, and if I, and if I chose, yeah, if I said, Hey, listen, um, I know you're trying to get sleep because you got to go to work tomorrow, but, um, I almost killed Andrew in the microwave last night. <laughs> you know, um, she's going to think I'm weird or whatever. But like, uh, if she does that for me, if she now takes the night shift, my wife. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Then I'm in trouble. You know what I mean? So uh, now you're still ha- avoiding it. Right. You, ha- you yeah. have to do it. I still have to be with my son. I still have to do the value-based behavior of taking care of my son and let that be my guide. My guide has to be, what are my values? What do I want to achieve as a father? You know what I mean? What do I, what's, what's really important to me? And what's important to me is that I take care of him and get him to sleep and get him back in his crib. You know what I mean? So yeah, totally. I, I, that's a lot of what I'm telling you. Ask what I, I say, no, listen, you can, you're going to have whatever thought your brain's going to have. Your job is to keep making your sandwich or whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and to not engage with it because people think, oh, I have to engage. My emotions are on level 10 and I have to do something about this. It's important for my survival or my spouse's survival or my whatever. Um, and I'm saying, oh, maybe, I don't know, but uh, or this is just OCD. There's a non-zero percent chance that I could stab my wife, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing here. I'm going to let my values guide me, not my fears. I love, yeah, I think that's such an important part. Like we're not going to let our fears be in control. I mean, I think what I, what I usually tell people is more of like a three prong, well, it's a three prong approach. You hit on most of them, which is number one, I'm not going to do things to try to alleviate the, uh, the, the thought 
I'm not going to like avoid the microwave. Yeah. I'm not going to hand the child off. I'm not going to like skip cutting carrots, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to do all of those things. I'm going to ride out the emotion wave because I know that there's a big emotion wave that I just have to kind of get through. And mm-hmm. then the last one is I got to tolerate the uncertainty mm-hmm. that it could happen, as you said, a non-zero chance. And I'm like, and part of that is about trying to practice behavioral control and learning to trust myself despite the fact that I have these doubts, fears, thoughts, and emotions. Um, and that, that's kind of how you get through. I mean, you know, it's funny. My first thought when I thought about, okay, well, what do we do about this and how to respond? Part of me wanted to say nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, do nothing, right? And mm-hmm. it's funny because this three-prong approach that I just said is like, it's, a fa- it's, it's obviously not nothing. But that's the whole point is that we're not going to do anything different. Right. You know? Which is helpful right. and unhelpful. It's more of it, I guess. No, it is. It is. In my, uh, I mean, you're you're never really supposed, and you're never really supposed to tell somebody. Oh, this I read this in my cognitive behavioral psychology book from graduate school. Okay, and it says um, in cognitive therapy, you're never supposed to tell somebody to do something that a dead person can do. Which, which means. Never tell somebody do nothing because a dead person can do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know it's horrible advice. I would never split peace. Like, no, 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 no. I know, I know what you meant by that. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Because because <laughs> I get caught in that all the time is to tell them to do nothing, but you know, or, or I hate telling people don't do compulsions. Well, instead of compulsions, like I say, continue to make your sandwich or, you know, exactly. what I mean, cut yeah. out the carrots or whatever it is. Like you have to engage. So, so, you know, it's, it really is an active process. We, we, we do want them to do nothing about the bus to your point, you know, um, and I, I allow them, I say, I'm often asked, just give up, give up. (laughs) One thing that's funny to me about therapy is we, we have so many like competing responses, right? Like we're not going (laughs) to, we're going to ride out our emotion waves. We're going to go towards uncertainty. We're going to live in doubt. Mm-hmm. We're going to laugh and make jokes and say, do not like give up. Mm-hmm. Like, right? like, mm-hmm. We have to do all of those things. And there's so much nuance to that. Um, but yeah, it is mm-hmm. fun, right? Like just shoot <laughs> less. Just vote it in. Um, humor is such a huge soul. We've talked about that before. Um, okay. Uh, I was going to say something. Nick, did you ever take a philosophy class? Oh, yeah. I might have oh, already yeah. explained this to you. Okay. Did you learn about the capital S self? No, you remember that? I don't remember it if I did. But okay, well, I'll share with you. I always think it's really helpful. It's kind of like a philosophical construct. So there's this idea that your capital S self, like capital S underscore capital S, um, it's like the core of who you are. Some people would say it's like your spirit, your soul, like this mm-hmm. kind of like fixed, unchanging, like the, the core of what makes you you, okay? Mm-hmm. And then there's your lowercase s self, which is like, you know, your car, how much money's in your bank account, your job, what you look like, the clothes you wear, the things you do, like your appearance, like how mm. you spend your time. Your, I'd put your thoughts in there. Um, those are all changing. Those are always in play. Those are always changing. And the philosopher, I'm forgetting which one said, that suffering happens when you confuse your lowercase with your capital mm. S self. Oh, that's great. Isn't that good? So like, mm-hmm. if I am going to identify myself from a hair way, what I look like by any of these things, mm-hmm. that's where suffering happens. I can get cancer mm-hmm. and lose all my hair. And if my hair is what makes me me, then I don't know who I am without it or, right. or any of that stuff. If I lose my job, my bank account depletes, then who am I? Right. right. If we over identify with these things that are 
just not the core of us. It's not who we are. If we put our identity there mm-hmm. and identify there, then we will torture ourselves. And I feel like our thoughts fall into that category so much. We can just rise and fall by these thoughts. So, I have a good thought. I'm good. And you're not. That's not you. That's not what makes you you. What were you going to say? So what? So no. So, so that's a great way to sort of wrap up. I mean, so where? what to do? What to do is to attend to that capital S, you know, yeah. a, a, attend to that because it's easy to attend to the, the, the small stuff. The stuff. Uh, the stuff, the small things, the small S. You know, that's more maybe tangible, maybe in the here and now. But you, th- well, this is also sort of a meta conversation to rise above yeah, it's and a look bit at meta, that. Yeah, yeah, but but no, but that's that's important to attend to that. Who who am I as a person? What am I striving to do? What are my, what are my values? And to attend to those things, um, the big important and, things, and our thoughts don't have to be that. Right. But I we do. I don't know. Just. We do a bad job of 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 that focusing on the lowercase s, focusing on our thoughts. People think that their thoughts are so damn important, you know. They're so damn important, and I just they're just not, you know. They're just not, and I think that's sort of the message that I'm. And you can interchange that, right? You can say like, unless I like perfect and have like the best, you know, appearance ever, then like I'm not going to be likable, right? And that's not it. It's just not. Right, right. It's something to do, but it's not going to, nothing that you can do in the stuff category is Mm going to give you a sense of peace or happiness. And so allowing for those fluctuations, certainly including your thoughts, is key to not suffering and having a fulfilling life. Right. You know, it's harder for people that have OCD because they get that big emotion spike, which is why it's really important to learn how to ride those waves. And to, uh, to acknowledge that spike, to acknowledge the thoughts, and then, and then just move on. Keep on, keep on going. Make that sandwich. <laughs> Make the sandwich. All that right. sandwich, calm down that baby. So, all right, Nick, well, if you have any great, uh, great, you go to Stonic Thoughts, you could share them next time. How about that? <laughs> Thank you. I'm just going to try to remember and call them ego dystonic from now on. Not good thoughts, not bad thoughts, ego dystonic thoughts. That's it. Cool. All right. Sounds all right. good. Catch you later. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Credit to our theme music to my brother, Andrew McLean. Please subscribe, leave a review, and tell us what you think. All opinions are our own.